welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. Presented to you with love by me, Lauren. And her fabulous friend, Victoria, which of course is me. Hello, it is lovely to meet you. In short, we're two horny sweethearts from Australia who have an insatiable appetite for sex-centric media, human connection, and getting knee-deep in our empathetic feelings. Each week on Wonderfully Done, we'll share opinions and advice for all your curious questions about sex, relationships, love, and everything in between. This is an explicitly shame-free zone. We're here to help and listen, but it is important to note that we're not professionals in the field of psychology or sex therapy. Victoria and I are super pro-therapy, and we recommend that you always get professional help. So, without further ado, let's launch right into our first question. Dear Wonderfully Done, so we're in isolation again in Melbourne. This time around feels so much harder, especially when it comes to connecting with my partner sexually. Some of our friends are talking to me about having a lot of sex, but I just don't seem to have the energy, even though I'm desperate to connect with them. Maybe I'm feeling less connected with myself? Do you have any suggestions on how I could make a sexy space for us? So I'm really nodding along as you read this question out, Victoria, because I'm really there with this reader. I've had a really hard time through the isolation period, especially when it comes to being in touch with my own sexuality uh, and feeling just really connected, sexy and like I have a good relationship with my libido. So I can definitely relate. Uh, How's your experience been? Uh, that's a great question Lauren um I have to be honest I'm struggling quite a lot with this mostly because um you know I'm uh you know pretty pretty lonely in this world and a uh highly sexual person uh so there's just not really any sexual contact with other humans in my life right now Trying to set things up in advance at the moment feels a little bit odd, just with kind of the uncertainty of when you'll be able to do anything about it. And um, yeah, in short, wow, this is so hard. Uh, Sometimes I feel hypersexual. A lot of the time I feel like a bag of garbage, to be quite honest. And it's pretty hard to even want to fuck myself when I'm in that mood. (laughs) too real and this listener is saying that some of their friends are saying that they're having lots of sex if that is great for their friends then good for them but people react to uncertain or anxiety inducing experiences differently some people move more towards sex and sex is really good escapism or if you're closer to where I'm at then It just feels like a huge ever-present thing that makes me feel guilty to enjoy stuff or do me things or, you know. Oh, yeah, God, just even being allowed to do normal things and take pleasure in that uh, because you should be suffering. (laughs) Things should feel bad. Or feeling guilty for wanting to have nice things. There's lots of this weird guilt that really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no. But it's really hard because all of our schedules are out the window. You know, I've talked to some people that have problems because they're like, they usually go to work and work their work day. And then when they come home, that's when the sexual energy starts for them. But they associate sexual uh, freedom or getting aroused with being at home. So now they're at home, they're having more issues with arousal or distraction or feeling like looking at porn during work hours and struggling with that more because they're yes. at home. So oh my God, cause you're always at work. The yes. office is now in the home. Um, Finding that separation across a lot of facets of life quite difficult, which I actually think a lot of those definitely do impact the overall sexual vibes in the Mm. house and in relationships. Me and Lauren were talking about this earlier and we were talking about things like, you know, getting ready to like go out or go on a date. And, you know, often, like, if you're going on a date, like, and you're uh, the sort of person that enjoys fucking, uh, or other such intimate activities, like, (laughs) one is hopeful that perhaps the date could end in such things, but, like... It's like you have all of this time to prepare yourself and to get yourself in the mindset for preparing for that to happen, you know, through your, like, bathing and grooming rituals, through 
putting on makeup or doing your nails if that's your jam, uh, checking in with the person and sharing that kind of like gentle like excitement to get to spend this like different special time together. Uh, when you first get to see each other because you've um, gotten ready sometimes in different places. Yeah, there's a, the, the preparation time and the, the, the build up as such uh, takes place long before you're actually spending that time together on the date. And so not only is that, but then you, you also don't really get to like go anywhere, <laughs> which can also be part of that ritual or even the travel. Like there's lots of kind of the, the ooh, ah, like nice things. And yeah, all of that's removed and you're just spending 24 seven with the same person. It's really not very surprising to me that people out there are, are struggling for things to feel sexy right now because there's not really very many sexy things about the, the conditions that we're living under. Yes. It's a really good point because if you, and we don't know if this reader is living with the partner or just, you know, seeing them really occasionally, depending on what what they're able to do in their COVID situation or if it's just fully long distance, but actually being able to be somewhere temporally and spatially unique to the date mm, really helps yeah. you be present and really helps you be synced in. So whether you're just always visiting your partner at their place or you and your partner are always in your home, um, then that can really put a dampener on things depending on how much your sexual activation could depend on newness, you know, and, and everyone gets going in really different ways. And I mean, if you're feeling like the COVID situation's making it harder to access arousal or helping you think of sex or make time for sex, I would really say what non-sexual sensuality time can you build in there? Can they do, uh, get a massage for you or can you take baths together or can you shower? together or do things like deep eye gazing or having a look at things like tantric breathing. I mean, it's such a weird, bizarre time. I think anything new that you could try and like, what is the smallest nice thing? Like, is there one thing that you know that you like that you can rely on? Even if you're like, oh, you know, the only thing I, the only way that I would like to have sex is in this way. And, you know, and that's a bit weird mm. or I'd like to explore my dinosaur fetish or something like that. Like now's kind of the time, because if if anything can bring you any sort of happiness, it's worth doing right now. Oh, it is. I feel like whenever I hear deep eye gazing, I'm like, that sounds terrible. But I also know that it's actually very lovely to just really spend some undivided time really looking at your person without all of the the different um, distractions, right? So much of time spent together is like doing something together. Um, but really like stripping all of that back um, and yeah, building some of that real like baseline intimacy uh, back up because I, I really think intimacy probably is for a lot of um, couples, pairings, partnerships is probably, you know, it's quite, it's quite challenging right now. Mm. And it's okay for it to be challenging. Even your yeah, friends that are saying natural. that they're having lots of sex, they might have had to put lots of work into sex happening, you know? So, and is like, it sex that both of them are enjoying? Exactly. Like, yeah, you, you never know the full story. And I, I feel like that is a, as a top-line takeaway that lots of sex is happening doesn't really give you, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of an insight into what that actually looks like. And I also think uh, none of that really matters. It's I from your question it really feels like you are expressing a desire to connect with your partner uh and to make safe make space that is sexy. Um which I think even thinking about dates is it's are, are you creating things like date nights at home now, even though we're kind of in isolation town? Because I think it's creating that kind of space that isn't necessarily sexy, but where there is potential for sexy time to to then organically grow after that. Like you're making the space to feel comfortable, to feel connected um, cause I mean, setting a date up for somebody, like that's a really nice thing. I know we all like to be loved in different ways, but I think 
doing a date for somebody is special because, you know, it takes the time to think about the things that they enjoy, uh, do the little actions um, to facilitate that actually happening, um, and then doing the date itself, you know, and having that person know that you did these special little things for them. Like, there's still so many things we can do at home. Like, I saw a little cutie on Twitter set up um, a little, like, for, you know, Hamilton, everyone's talking about it, has come out recently, and they set up, like, a little snack bar and little paper tickets, um, and it was super cute, just in the, I, I feel like you can do a lot with a little if you're thoughtful about it, and maybe it's the sort of thing where, like, maybe you get some cocktail ingredients, and it's a cocktail-making evening, or maybe it's making one of you guys's uh, special favorite dinners together or maybe it's maybe it's just marathoning Buffy like I don't know but how can you set up the the time to this is specifically a date night and this is time for us to feel close to each other and then give some soft room for some sparkly kind of maybe sexy feelings to have a chance to uh to grow you know Definitely. And I think, you know, we can we can really summarize most of what we're saying of just like prioritizing pleasure right now. And it doesn't yeah. have to be sexual outcome pleasure, but just anything that feels good in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with your partner, trying to talk more about how you're feeling instead of less, which can be hard when you're feeling a little bit guilty or feeling like you might be on a different page. And just a little bit of experimentation, but definitely that self-compassion of this is totally an unprecedented time. Some people are experiencing more, less, or extremely changeable libido and desire, or even those that are getting turned on are having different relationships to their ability to orgasm because of everything. So honestly, it's just about hanging in there and like how connected can you feel with yourself with other people and you know let's just all try and get through it pretty oh, wow. much it is so hanging their kitty right now yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> hanging their kitty real hard um, yes I, I thought it was nice that they had mentioned their connection with themselves because I feel like that I mean it's a huge building block right you both as individual people then coming together to create something would you say that, it, obviously I, I can't ask you this question, but I wonder, are you making special time to connect with yourself? And if so, is that working? And if not, maybe it's time to try some other things. Like personally, uh, the things that have been making me feel better, like usually me and Lauren actually have very similar things that make us feel very <laughs> fabulous and gorgeous. And I feel like when I feel fabulous and gorgeous, I feel very powerful, which makes me feel very sexual. But usually, you know, RIP getting our nails done and getting our <laughs> eyelashes done. Oh, how I miss you. You're making me a Glamazonian sexual goddess warrior, but that's fine. <laughs> Another time. So instead, what I have been doing is, uh, you know, turning the lights off in my room and putting on my lamp uh, and lighting some candles and just reading cute, cute books. I bought a whole bunch of queer comics recently um, and just really kind of like bundling up um, and doing a little read or having one of those like wildly long <laughs> sessions of like grooming and showering where you wash your hair you do face masks you clip your nails you buff your nails you oh gosh you body scrub everything like you shave your legs maybe I quite like doing that once you can get that nice uh, fresh sheet action mm -hmm. um and doing those things with the only objective is to just feel nice and feel in your own body which I think goes a long way. Yeah, it's what it always makes me feel nice. Like, and I think that's a nice thing to explore. What are the things that have made you feel nice in the past, and are you making time for them? It actually, it makes me think of uh, we've been doing in ISO, um, you know, yoga with Adrienne, and she always thanks us in the practice for taking the time to take a moment for ourselves and to do this for us and for our minds and our bodies. And I just think it's such a beautiful sentiment that it's really, really important to be taking those slices of time that you can right now with just the, the only goal is to be kind to yourself and to feel nice or good or take a breath. 
it'll all help. And when you're looking after you, it it can contribute greatly to your connection with others. But you've got to be your own priority when we're all getting buffeted in the miserable sea of the world situation (laughs) right now. (laughs) Can't pour from an empty cup. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've done wonderfully with that one. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. Did you just name title us in our first episode? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> oh, would you like to do the wrap up for that question, Miss Lauren? Yes. So I think we've done a lot of talking about self-compassion, about embracing that these are unprecedented times. So your previous sexual scripts might not work. Your previous habits might not work. You might not have access to them. It's absolutely a time to try and let go of that frustration about your libido changing. And maybe you are feeling less connected to yourself. So what could you do that's maybe a little bit extra luxurious, a little bit extra you focused that might help you with your connection with your partner, but regardless, investing as much as you can in yourself right now, definitely letting go of comparison because everybody is responding to this very, very differently. And that there's a lot of things that you can do that are not related to outcome-based sex or partnered sex in terms of trying things like tantric breathing, maybe some yoga, just anything that helps you be bodily present, uh, that we're all just trying to find ways to find pleasure. And what is that one small thing that you can do in your day that's nice for you and that that might help, but communicate more instead of less right now when we're in these really uncertain times. You get out there, you good thing. I know you can do this and plan a really cute, sexy date for that lovely partner of yours. Uh, I think it will both do do a world of good for both of you. Stumbling over my own words. It's this podcasting. Like, it's, it only all relies on audio. Like, no worries, right? <laughs> Everyone's just loving the audio journey we take them on, our authenticity, all of our little quirks, our gorgeous <laughs> little accents. They're here oh, for the ride. Oh, yeah. I, I hope everyone out there, I mean, I assume we're going to have some Australian listeners this first time around, but perhaps, you know, this episode's been out for a while and, um, and we're not in isolation anymore. You're not from Australia. Who knows what could be happening? I don't know what timeline you're on, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, so without uh, further ado again, I think I've used the same leading statement, but that's fine. We'll work on that. <laughs> Second question we have uh, is a, uh, yeah, it's, I got lots of feelings about this. Are you ready, Lauren? I'm, I'm geared up. Right. My safety belt is on. <laughs> Strap it in, baby. <laughs> All right. Dear Wonderfully Done, cutting right to the chase, how can I work on loving my stomach? I'm what I would call a bigger girl. My partner loves my tummy and I feel like I don't really believe him. When we sleep together, I prefer to have the lights off as it makes me feel more comfortable. Honestly, I feel embarrassed. Is there anything I can do? So we're really two for two on the super relatable questions in today's episode. So relatable! I've really absolutely been here too, my dear listener. Uh, This is something where I've had challenges around the same body part as you, around my stomach, around my tummy, um, especially having very strong negative inhibited uh, experiences as a late teenager. And it took me a lot of time myself, like, you know, and, and with a partner as well to be at all okay with touches on my stomach. And I'm 30 now and it's still something that I need to sort of like breathe through to like be okay with or not recoil or just consciously redirect my thoughts when I do have a partner that's touching my stomach. So this is really commonly experienced and I think especially for women and Vix I would absolutely love to hear some some thoughts from you about this <laughs> you would oh well I mean that that's the thing right commonly experienced because uh, you know we are taught to hate ourselves and to hate our bodies I feel like it's indoctrinated very early that the worst thing that you could be especially as a woman is fat like that is the worst of the worst, uh, and something that you don't want to happen to you. Uh, uh, the different factors to which I was one of these people are endless. Um, I spent a lot of my young life, right into my late 20s, 
truly and deeply disliking my body. It was more of an object of hatred than anything else. I think it was, I think it, it was, it was when I started doing yoga, I think. Um, and I like had this moment where I was really enjoying the practice and, um, I realized it was because like, I truly in that moment actually felt connected to my body and it just kind of, I felt like, like my life wishing before my eyes, you know, how you just have these moments sometimes and just realizing how much of my life, my body was other to me. It wasn't, we weren't one. It was just this horrible thing that was ruining my life and my real life would start once it changed or went away. How this translated in sex was some very unhealthy relationships uh, between myself and other people. Uh, a lot of just feeling grateful that anybody would take interest in you. Um, I feel like I, I worked out I was quite a sexual person, like as a pretty young teenager, but, you know, didn't start sleeping with people until my late teens. Um, yeah, uh, lots of lights off lots of desperately trying to keep on all of my clothes like I did not want people to see what I looked like I would always lots of draping dresses just everything that I it was almost like I was trying to pretend that I wasn't fat and and conceal that from the world um and I would definitely say that like the way my tummy functioned in sexual encounters was almost this unspoken, um, both of us not acknowledging its presence, just literally never being touched there. Never. Like they would grip or touch or squeeze you anywhere else. Like, of course, being a fat girl, like a t I've got typical like fat girl boobs as well. So, you know, everyone would be all up in that, like, and all up in your butt. Um, and, but yeah, but it's not okay to have a fat stomach. So that was just a, a no-go. I mean, I think I, I, you know, my own shame. I think it's it's in the animal kingdom, right? To like protect your tummy. It's like a very inti intimate thing of trust to allow something to touch your stomach at like a behavioral level. But um, yeah, I think it, it would have made, I, it's hard to say now, right? Like, because I feel sad that no one touched my tummy now with the mindset I have today. But I think had they acknowledged or talked about it, I might have like recoiled and like died inside, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's not your fault for struggling with this. It's, it's not. not it's not a personal weakness. You don't deserve to feel that way because you are a, a bigger girl. Um, this was done to you. This was trash that people forced on you. And of course you have internalized a little bit of it and it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can change the way that you feel about it. Like I've made a lot of progress in terms of my relationship with my stomach and partners being able to touch it or yeah. believing when they say that they're attracted to the weight that I'm at and that they don't want me to be smaller. But it did take a lot of work and a lot of it was really personal work. That work didn't look like my tummy is smaller now. <laughs> it definitely yeah. didn't look like that. And so learning to let go of it instead of being like, well, I hate my stomach because I deserve to hate my stomach because it's a bad stomach and I'll only oh. feel good about it if it changes. Oh, my heart I hurts know. hearing you say that and knowing I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really difficult. And I think, uh, and I think for me, like even speaking to men, they don't understand exactly the the literal and figurative weight that women have around stomachs. Uh, I mean, this this reader's calling herself a girl, so I'm making some assumptions there in terms of gender and identity and their partner, but it really doesn't surprise me that maybe there's a bit of a disconnect between a male partner saying, I'm into your stomach, and they're saying, I don't believe you. Like, yes. that's that's really hard to bridge. And I've definitely, like, rejected partners just finding me attractive if I don't believe it myself. Oh, absolutely. Even, I've even... You know, I've only learned to even start taking compliments from friends on how I look in the last year or two. <laughs> mm. I would just always think that they were saying nice things to me because, you know, they felt sorry for me that I was fat and didn't want me to feel, like, ugly or gross. So I truly just didn't believe them and really felt like it was a pity thing. Uh, and that I think that's the main point is that it doesn't matter what anybody else says to you or what anybody else thinks because... 
it's how you think and feel inside and the way that you talk to yourself that has the true impact. Like it can be, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It can be sort of like zhuzhed up by being reinforced by having lovely partners that enjoy you just the way you are. Like I, you know, I've had a partner who I met them about a year or so into my body journey. And even at the beginning of that, I couldn't accept the praise around what my body looked like. However, the work that I continued to do inside and then with that gentle encouragement on the side, I actually found that very powerful in tandem, but the work came from me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I really had to empower myself in terms of changing yes. the relationship. It wasn't just them telling me over and over, but I also had to prove to myself that the world wouldn't end if my stomach was touched. So I really had to take it outside of sex. Uh, so in terms of, you know... Uh, things like them touching my stomach when we were at the movies in public would not be okay because that would upset me, even though that was non-sexual. But what would work would be if I could lie down, my stomach's quote unquote flat, and I could control their hand touching my stomach. Like then that would feel safe. And I could talk them through what I was really thinking and feeling while they were doing that on my body. And something that I don't want to sound like I'm appropriating language or experience here, but I was able to do that really granular, really conscious of my own thoughts and feelings and feeling safe to control what was happening because of my experience of my trans and gender diverse friends that were able to talk about experiences with dysphoria and gender dysphoria and conversations with partners around why things like touching their chest might be okay or might not be okay and that check-ins were required and that certain movements would be upsetting for them when others wouldn't. And that honestly helped me a lot with trying to verbalize what was difficult or try and break down more safety around touching with this body part that was a real minefield for me in terms of my uh, my emotions and headspace. Yeah, so much stuff tied up in it. It's, yeah, all of the self-worth, the shame. I really feel like it's offloading the shame that makes the, the biggest impact Um For me, something else that was really helpful that partners were able to support was I call it like cleaning up my language about myself. So I would really try and not verbalize really self-hating things or really talking very negatively about my stomach and trying not to do that mentally because, you know, I would have a partner that would say to me like, When you say these things, I feel like my enjoyment of them is being shamed almost. And then, you know, and just saying like, yeah, and just saying like, I really like this about you. And I kind of, it sort of hurts my feelings when you disagree very aggressively with me about them. So is it okay if we both just try and be more neutral or, you know, I, I get hurt when I hear you talking so negatively about this thing that I really like. And so not controlling it, but saying that that kind of upset them or they didn't really like to hear it or it made them really happy when I could say positive things about it. And that was really helpful for me. Oh, that's so lovely. Hmm. I really love that. I think that's a really difficult aspect of that sort of thing too. Like the shame in society for people being attracted to fat bodies like Mm. I know without a doubt like I've clearly dated a lot of people that are attracted to fat bodies because I have a fat body I mean I obviously have a fabulous personality so who who can say um but I, I remember um being ashamed for my partner that they had to be seen with me And that they had to be associated with me in public spaces and what that would say about them. um, Yeah, really lots of layers to that one. Um, So when you're kind of in that situation, I I don't know how you're supposed to feel good about yourself um, when you're carrying their shame as well. (laughs) Mm. Internalized fat phobia is really intense. And I also really want to talk about pornography and positive yes diverse body representation as well it's so important like i 
hadn't really watched porn with fat women in it until a couple of years ago, to be honest. Like, I mean, in general, you don't see fat bodies sexualized, or it's only ever in like a weird way, like a ha ha ha, they like fatties, um, which isn't hot. But just seeing, I think it was like Magic Mike 2 was one of the first movies that I saw a fat woman uh, feeling sexual and being portrayed as so as a sexual being when it wasn't a joke and just being like, whoa, holy shit. I didn't even know that that was possible. But back to the porn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It made it a lot easier for me to start looking at myself as a sexual being once I started to deal with some of my own internalized fat phobia around fat bodies and sexual situations and realizing that like roles and big bums and chunky jiggly thighs and squished up tummies when you get bent into different positions is beautiful and gorgeous. Um, yeah, I just really, I'm really into it. I watch a lot of fat women porn now, to be honest. (laughs) And there is good, respectful, like, good respectful porn with really big bodies because I really like big bodies as well. I like a huge variety of bodies. I've really liked um, the porn star April Flores for a really oh, long time. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of her stuff. Yeah. And she's like a queen of the BBW and is really amazing and just really embodies her sexuality and has such a community around her of people and especially dudes just being absolutely into every part of her and that is like really awesome and supportive and it was just a really big thing for me to let go of the idea of being attractive to a really large percentage of the population and instead saying I actually don't need to be attractive to a huge percent of the population as much as I've been raised to feel like that's very important it's just really important that there's a small percentage that I find hot that maybe also finds me hot too and if I try and like hide things about me um, I can't trick them into not noticing my stomach rolls <laughs> later. Like, it doesn't work. Can't trap them later by doing oh, that. But tried so hard. <laughs> Reward me. Yeah. So it is, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a sad dance, but when you can find a way to be yourself upfront, it means that the people that get through to you are those special, lovely, luscious human beings. And if you can signal you like curvy curves, I like my curvy curves, then you've got a, a no shame combo. Like that's really good. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like the sex gets better too when you stop worrying about that because like this shame and feeling bad about your body, I think it takes up so much more space then you realize inside your head. How can you truly let go in these sexual intimate moments with your partner or partners if if you're worrying about how your tummy looks the whole time or only wanting to be in certain positions or worrying about being too heavy to go on top, you know, I it's really hard to, to be in the moment if that's where your head is at. Um, I have to say... One of the biggest things that I noticed with changing my relationship with my body was how much more room there was in my head. And now when I fuck, it's so so much fun in the way that, like, the dudes that I've been sleeping with have just been like, oh, my God, like, you're just so (laughs) confident in your body. Like, I just, what? People aren't like this very often. Um... And I don't know, I've just, I was like, I found this new, like, warrior princess queen inside me. um, And I'm not worrying about how I look because I know that I look fucking hot. Like, fuck yeah. (laughs) And that, and I think that's too, like, the thing that you got to remember about touching bodies is that just like bodies and flesh feel good. Like, and it's so weird that people are shit about being fat because it's like, but boobs feel like the best of maybe anything in the world and they are fat sex. So yeah. it's just like so cute, lovely, nice, and just like heaps of that sensation mm. that you can mm. like smush against. Like, that's lovely. I love that. Um, very nice. I think I got super sidetracked. Um, 
No, this is this is all <laughs> this is all related. And if you're listening out there and you you know and you don't have any discomfort about your tummy, maybe just try sexualizing your own tummy a little bit. Try yes. sexualizing your partner's tummy if they're down for that. I mean, I haven't done that. Like I I my process has looked like acceptance and mm-hmm. it hasn't looked like sexualizing it yet. And I would really like to get there oh. and enjoy oh. that next level. Lauren, it's so fun. Uh yeah, I feel like it's hard to talk about this journey without kind of I think there was like several there were several different points on mine. I've definitely like gone through the sexualization stage, but it definitely started with not just acceptance, um, but it, it's kind of like rewriting the way that you speak to yourself in your own head. And it actually started with some kind of just some tiny quotes that I'd seen, to be honest. Like, I think one one was essentially, you know, like a big thing for me used to be like leaving the house was very hard because once you leave the house, then people can see you. And if you feel bad about how you look, it's just going to be a bad time. And so I'd seen this quote, which kind of sounds a bit negative, but the essence of it was like, well, you know, this is all there is. So what? You know? And just like, fuck it. Just get into the world and just go and do what you're going to do. Like, because how you look is only a fraction of your fucking experience in the world. Um, But the other one that was incredibly powerful was just looking at some of these negative thoughts and being like, who benefits from this thought? Because it certainly fucking isn't me. Like, by me looking at my body and being like, Oh, I can see, you know, my VBL, visible belly line for anybody that doesn't know, um, through this dress or skirt or the the sleeve of this isn't long enough so you can see, like, the, the fat of my arm. Like, who, who, who are you making feel good there like absolutely not you and it it doesn't magically make the shape of your body change by talking to yourself like that I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in society that you can shame people into changing their bodies you cannot create sustainable positive change in people's lifestyles habits and feelings inside their heads by shaming them into submission. Generally, you just shame them deeper into the behaviors that contribute to how they think, feel, and behave in the world. And it's gross, and I hate it. So it's just really, and it's so hard. And this is honestly, this is work that took me years. But little things is when you look in the mirror Thinking about and verbalizing something that you like about how you look that day. Does your hair look really great? Does your bum look really nice? Does, do your knees look super cute today? Like, it, it could be anything. But starting to have that moment when you look in the mirror that your new habit, instead of talking down about yourself, is saying nice things about yourself. Because we have so much more control over the way that we think than we are kind of being told uh, in in the general world. Uh, and when that becomes your closest grab to in your brain is those positive words. Like to supplement that, I, I put a lot of mirrors up in my room. So I see myself all the time. And now like I catch glimpses of myself and I'm just like, oh, oh. And I just get to see my body in all these different angles. I tried... Um, starting to sleep naked, uh, which I found really helpful for how my body feels and falls when it's unrestricted by different fabrics and kind of getting a bit more comfortable with, yeah, the sensations of my body. I, of course, as you know, I tried watching the fat porn. Um, I started taking, this is probably one of the best ones I did, was starting to take nudes of my body, um, and not just the ones that I'd taken as a young person, which were mostly just, you know, tits and tits and face. Um, really, like, and this was a slow process, but slowly moving to, like, full body, belly specific. Um, and trying to find beauty and creating these different kinds of pictures of myself and seeing how I felt about them. Sorry, I know that that was like so, so many things. You're going to have so much fun summarizing some ideas out of this, Lauren. Get ready. Honest, honestly, <laughs> I feel like you've done a really great job summarizing it. Like we're talking about experimentation. We're talking about self-healing. We're talking about you finding your own agency 
in that process and a combination of vulnerable communication about why this has been hard, forgiving yourself for it being hard and just experimenting and knowing that it can be different and it's not for your stomach to be different. It's about you feeling different about your stomach and, you know, becoming friends with belly. Belly is your friend. Belly is part of what carries you through life. It's part of the shape Mm. of who you are. That's it. And I think this is a theme that we're going to visit a whole lot in this oh. podcast is <laughs> around <laughs> yeah, around dismantling shame, around talking about what's hard, around the self-healing process to try and be a whole sexual person with yourself and with other people. So I think we've done a great job summarizing that. Yeah. So I know it's so easy to feel embarrassed, but I just want to say again, it's not your fault. And I'm really sorry how hard this feels, but it's it's a lot of work, but oh fuck, it's so fucking worth it. I just, I didn't know that my life could be like this and I didn't know that I could be happy now. Oh, I love that so much. That is beautiful. <laughs> this is why we're doing this. <laughs> so I hope That's something gorgeous. in there was helpful for you. Um, mm. If you ever want to, you know talk further like please shoot us a dm i'm always happy to, to wax lyrical on this topic and any questions about bodies about body parts that you feel shamed about we'd love to hear about what you've struggled with dear listeners and anytime you want to talk about someone's fupa the fat upper pussy yeah! area i love that acronym it's amazing Aww. i mean you're talking to yeah. two like lush ladies so we're always down to talk about this so thank you for such a great question Oh, I feel all right. So much sharing, like oh, mm. oh. All right. Um. So, I guess like we're moving towards wrap up time, but um, we're going to test a little segment that we've been talking about, and we've decided to call it Learny Lane <laughs> <laughs> because we like to learn. Uh, shockingly, we consume a lot of things to do with sex and relationships, um, and how people think about them. So. Without, oh my, I think, was I going to say without further ado again? Oh my God. (laughs) Right. Please, please, everyone bear with me while I uh, work out the kinks there. But um, I think Lauren has been exploring OnlyFans and would love to have a share about her feelings about it. That's right. My learning lane for this week is OnlyFans and trying that as a consumer. So there's lots of really cool sex positive content creators or sex workers in my life, among my friendship groups, and a whole bunch of them use OnlyFans. And especially in the age of COVID, we're seeing lots of people go onto the platform. It seems like a platform that has a pretty good uh, revenue sharing situation for creators. A lot of creators have positive things to say about their experiences on OnlyFans. And for those that aren't familiar, it's pretty much paying a subscription to get uh, content access and messaging or communication access to a creator for that subscription. So creators handle it differently. There's a combination of explicit and non-explicit creators. Some people use it for yoga, personal training, cooking videos, but a what? lot of people are, yeah, but I a lot of people are using. I didn't even know it's in other things. Is it <laughs> not? Are you serious? Yes, but it's really been embraced by the adult industry. So I recommend checking it out. If you go to OnlyFans, they don't seem to have a search option. So you can't use it like you might use Pornhub or RedTube or whatever else to find people. You need to find a creator that then says, this is my OnlyFans page Mm -hmm. and go to it that way. I recommend... Uh, A lot of creators have free profiles and then paid profiles, but I recommend checking out some free pages. Um, It's a great time to support sex workers that have been really impacted by isolation and all of the lockdowns. So yeah, I subscribe to my first creator. For me, I've got all sorts of discomforts around porn that we're going to talk about on further episodes for sure. But um, I always worry about feeling like a creep and I feel good about myself that I'm making more ethical porn choices by supporting someone on OnlyFans. So far, I feel um, I feel very shy about engaging with all the features Aww, like messaging baby. the creators. <laughs> <laughs> My and, <laughs> and not wanting to be a creep. The experience has felt like um, the difference between going to a strip club or a burlesque show and just watching and then the actual vulnerability involved with asking for a private dance almost. Like it feels right, confronting that in that kind of way. So 
it's my learning lane experience. I'm only a few days in. Um, I'm going to engage with it more and I'll report back. <laughs> oh, I'm so very, very interested to see how you go with this. I, of course, have joined pretty recently as well because uh, I've, I've been um, investigating visiting a sex worker for a little while and I've found uh, the lady that I would love to go and see. Um, but of course, you know, I'm being uh, kept away from my desires <laughs> thanks to the, the terrible things happening in the world. But we will fuck again. Yes, we will. So I thought it might be a really nice thing to, you know, uh, support her OnlyFans and just like get... I like a, a bit more of a flavor for who she is and how she feels sexy and the way she portrays herself. Um, and I think I did this other creator who I've been like watching her, her free content videos for ages. Like she like jiggles her butt around a lot. It's really nice to watch. Um, Hell yeah. But I was like, man, I should give you some money. You're great. Um, yeah, I'm definitely wanting to transition to a lot more ethical porn. So, uh, so, What's the word that I'm looking for? Consumption. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Practices, consumption, Practices, the whole yeah. thing. I think it's um very easy to get sucked into to having everything for free. I feel like with so much content in the world, um, there is so much stuff for free. <laughs> yeah, it's it it can be really easy to just get get getting pulled into um just taking rather than giving back. And that's the thing, like this content is made by real people with real lives. And that it, it, it's their time, ex- experience, um, yeah, fucking pay pay for porn. Mm. That, that that seems like a real cool thing to do. Lauren's actually given me some like really amazing suggestions uh, from for for places to uh, buy some ethical porn from. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something I want to talk about more. Yes, please. That's hell yeah, beautiful. Um, uh- while we are in these really dark and difficult times, I also want to share a weekly wonderful. So we just chat about something or anything that made us happy this week. It could be got a real nice little lipstick. It could be I bought myself a new sex toy. It could be whatever. (gasps) So what about, what about you, Victoria? Do you have any kind of a weekly wonderful this week? I feel like mine is like kind of a weekly wonderful, but like kind of a learning lane, but also kind of like neither. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually <laughs> haven't made any action on it yet. But the newest thing that I've been researching is fantasy dildos. I've been like really fascinated by them for quite a long time. Uh, because like I want to see what it feels like putting different shaped things inside myself, you know? I haven't been <laughs> very adventurous for a wee while. Like I got a, I got a pretty standard sort of dildo you know it's sort of I don't know I think it's like about six and a half seven inches um I've mostly like focused on vibrators for most of my life um mm. but now like it almost feels like I like it's too intense like only sort of like the wand that you gave me and the and this like clit sucker that I have seem to be the things that are like that that I'll tolerate without like things mm. becoming too much but um yeah yeah you can fa- the fantasy dildo world covers all sorts of different wild and different things some things that like super turn off heaps of people mm. uh some things that super turn on a bunch of people uh, but, <laughs> but I think I'm just really fascinated by um yeah the different the different ways that these things are shaped like mm-hmm. there's different things like you know that the the tentacles there's things like werewolves there's things like you know like the the uh, like fish man yeah aquaman and man from that water <laughs> love lady fish movie you know the mm-hmm. one that I'm yeah the shape about. of water yeah yep. um there's there's some where you can like have have eggs like put in you you know there's Amazing. just like oh oh or there's different like um you know like dick covers and different mm. um pussy stroker sort of things like all kinds of different shapes and yeah I guess I've just been thinking about them a lot and I, I'm just on that like uh the selection phase of like well, am I brave enough to pull the trigger or not and then I'm like <laughs> what does it mean if I get this weird dildo but like why does it have to mean anything I just mm. I just want to do an explore so I'm not really sure that was either and I will probably also report back should I brave up into trying any of these strange and wonderful dildos uh, thank you. That that's all I have to say about that for now. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like that, and I definitely want us to have more conversations because I think there's really interesting things to be said. Because I came across Bad Dragon and weird fantasy dildos primarily through queer content creators, yeah. And it really seems like queer sex workers and queer content creators have led the charge with 
being out and out monster fuckers. They, yeah. they, they want all the weird dildos. And there's this really interesting parallel with queer sexuality that says, you know, society says we're weird already. Let's just go all the way weird. And I just think that that's really fascinating. And yeah, I definitely want to talk more about it. I'm very interested to be on this journey with you, Lauren, both Fuck in yeah. life and on this podcast. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, in terms of weird things as well, like we're just talking about anything that makes you happy. We'd love to hear about your weekly wonderful. Like, please get in touch. Please tell us whatever is your happy little moment that's love, sex, dating, anything related, anything tangential. And yeah, we would just love to hear about it. Yeah, we really do like to froth and support like I would say that me and Lauren like as human beings are like really fucking good cheerleaders <laughs> leading the charge for feeling good <laughs> giving care um and I really think that that's probably it for today it's first first time how do you feel you? about it Lauren I'm loving it. I think it's a great little pair of questions. Uh, I think it's really good that we're able to share ourselves so much, have fun, and be honest about what we do and don't know. It's like sex, you know, where we're learning too. <laughs> oh my god, but that's what I love about sex is that there's always new things to try and explore. I feel like I'm still finding new things and new sensations. Even just like it's why it's like yoga, right? It's like the teeniest tiny adjustments and just like the wild oh impact of that. Like I only found out recently that I really really love being licked underneath my knee and then the oh, person cool. that I was sleeping with um apparently they are actually wildly into licking sort of <laughs> under the knee and have always felt like a little bit weird and embarrassed about it Amazing. so now we can have this like beautiful share moment that I just couldn't have like imagined or foreseen and it's just what a beautiful time to be alive. Man, I can't wait to be able to get back in the world again. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I truly can't say how much we appreciate your support. And I so hope that there was something in here that you could take away or was helpful to you or maybe helpful to someone that you know. So if you have a burning question, we really would love to hear it. Please feel free to slide into our DMs with your questions at DoneWonderfully on Twitter or slip us an anonymous message at curiouscat.qa slash wonderfullydone. Wonderfully Done can be downloaded wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hey, you're doing wonderfully.